What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, uh, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. It's been a, I say this probably every podcast, don't I? It's been a while. Uh, today's the 30th of July, uh, earlier this month, last week maybe. I was in Corfu, which is really good. I was very happy to be in Corfu. Uh, we enjoyed some good weather, some good food, some good sea, some good sand, and all the good things that are great for you. Um, and it was really good. I took my mum there for her birthday. We did Corfu. We So we were like right in the middle of Corfu, and we, we literally did a, almost like a full loop, except for the Cavos bit at the bottom, obviously, because there's not much going on in Cavos at the moment. Um, but we saw the top, the North Cassiope. We had a break, like it, it was so picturesque. We kind of drove up north for breakfast in Cassiope, and then we drove back down the west coast to the white sand beaches of Paleocastrica. I think I've said that wrong. Um, but we also went on a nice little cruise to Paxos and Antipaxos, which were beautiful, amazing, clear sky blue sea, um, which was amazing to be a part of. Uh, and now I'm back. Had the deload while I was there, so I had five full days off training. And I'm now feeling the doms that everyone else is feeling right now. I'm feeling the 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 truck, the metaphorical truck that's been running over us. Um, and I thought I wanted to just start this podcast a little bit about uh, gauging recovery, managing recovery, and essentially mitigating the doms that we've got with the thought that they're already there. Because obviously, my first thing would say, can you physically walk after your leg day? Yes, then well done. If you can't and you're struggling, you did too much and you didn't listen to Uncle Josh before you went into the gym where I said, don't do too much because you won't walk the next day. Um, so there's a few things that we can consider when it comes to recovery. So delay, on so delay onset of muscle soreness, which is what you are feeling in your body, is essentially the delay of onset of muscle soreness. So it takes a little bit of time. It's like a delayed gratification. So you don't get the soreness straight away when you train. Instead, it happens when all the inflammation starts to be sent to the area, all those micro traumas start to be fixed. That's when you start to get those DOMS. Because ultimately we are ultimately we are damaging our muscle cells for them to recover back stronger. That's how the muscle grows. Um which of course comes with muscle soreness because muscle soreness you are breaking the muscle. You have an injury, a micro injury, and when you have lots and lots and lots and lots of micro injuries, um, you have a lot of pain, which is essentially what it is, which we are all experiencing lots of micro injuries right now because of training. And we're not used to different exercises and whatnot. So I'm gonna go through a few techniques that you can do to gauge your recovery. I'm gonna do a few things that you can do to to help your recovery. Um, you might know them, you might not know them, but here is my take on it. Um, a cool thing for, that you can gauge recovery is going to be HRV, so heart rate variability, which is essentially how long it is between your heartbeats. So, bottom, bottom, bottom. The time between those beats is going to lead to your HRV, your heart rate variability. And we actually know from research that it's a pretty good indicator of how well you recovered you are or how not recovered you are. Um, I actually track mine through a whoop band. Um, one of the questions today was, which I'm going to answer right now, uh, what is the best fitness tracker? Um, I would say an aura ring or a whoop band. Um, they are the highest level of technology that we have available to track things like sleep, steps, HRV, um, and whatnot through those. 
sorry, I just mute me, mute me laptop, me iMac. Um, so I'd recommend either of those two. Like, I, I prefer the Whoop because it's more athletic based. It's more based on performance. You'll strain per day, and it's a little bit more for us as athletes, I would say, or health conscious people. Um, but both of these. Aura Ring and the Whoop Band provide you a HRV, a heart rate variability. And I note that down every day and I correlate it of how I feel. And most of the time I feel rubbish when the heart rate is low, heart rate variability is low and my heart rate is high. And most of the time I feel good when my heart rate variability is, is really high, of course, because it symbolizes that you were recovered. So not only is like, like tracking HRV, blood pressure, heart, like resting heart rate, blood glucose, like they're all really good measurements to track. But when they're out of whack, that they're probably gonna like your body's gonna tell you that you're probably gonna feel it. Those days when you wake up and you're like, oh my god, I can't even fucking move. Your heart rate variability is probably gonna be quite low. It's just that's just the standard way it works, right? But it does help you if you've not made those connections before to start making those connections, and you can read it on a more plausible basis. You can also you can change your training according. Like if you wake up with a low heart rate variability, for example, you do a leg day after lockdown. You're absolutely wrecked. You know you're not training legs the next day, so you can just read that heart rate variability. You can back off a little bit, and you can adjust. Your, the idea is is that you get the perfect amount of strain per day reading heart rate variability to stay optimal the whole time. So if you wake up with higher high, high heart rate variability, that's a day that you can push hard in your training and you can push hard in cardio or whatever you're doing. If you wake up with low, that'd be a day to pull back. And I don't I don't tend to manipulate myself like that really, but I think. Perhaps when I'm done with bodybuilding, I will be. I think bodybuilding has some stringent variables that you want to kind of control throughout, really, uh, which doesn't account for the flexibility that you probably want in your life for health and longevity. Does that make sense? Bodybuilding, you've got to train, same time, same day, same meals, same goal. Health and well-being is more listening to your body and not pushing through those times where you don't need to be pushed through. So, hey, that's a little bit about HRV and whatnot. Um, I I think that ultimately your recovery is going to be by you're going to learn that by you. I shouldn't you on the podcast, should I? Yeah, well, um, ultimately recovery is going to be unique to you, and and you've got to remain impartial from your mentality. It's very easy, especially bodybuilders. We have that mentality of like, no, I'm going to keep fucking working, bro. I'm going to keep fucking working, which is fine. But also, you keep working, you might break eventually. So you've got to be careful of that. So being honest with yourself when you've done too much, then just take a step back. Things that you can do that that, that, that can help your recovery. So you've let's say you've already trained. You've already broken down those muscles. You've already achieved those micro tears. We've already stimulated some hypertrophy. What's going to help you recover quicker? We start at the basics. We know that protein is the building blocks for muscle protein synthesis. We know that, 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 that the amino acid chains within a protein um, are essential for muscle repair. So we know that we need to be at least meeting adequate protein goals. For most people, there's going to be a between 2 to 2.5 grams of protein per kilogram. So if I'm 105 kilos, I can go anywhere between 2 to maybe even 3 kilo, three per kilogram. And I'm, and I'm about 2.7 at the moment because I'm slightly more heavily muscled. I'm using anabolic, so I've got a higher protein turnover. So we can, we can use that rule of thumb. 100 kilos, eat 200 grams of protein, you're going to be sand. 50 kilos, eat 100 and... 100 grams of protein you don't you don't need loads of protein you just minimal effective doses here are absolutely perfect anything above is just calories 
So when people say, Josh, why are you at 300 grams of protein instead of 2.5 or 250 grams? I just say because it's extra calories. It's got good micronutrition. You know, we know that we can absorb and digest um, proteins pretty darn well across the board if it's a, a direct protein source. So there's no issue of me having higher protein. I'm not getting detrimental effects from having too much protein, if that makes sense. I'm not slamming six, 700, 800 grams of it. That's a bit too much. I'm not there. So we know protein has to play a role. We also know that glycogen has to play a role. Now, glycogen is a big anabolic regulator in the way that you ain't doing nothing without carbohydrates. You're not going to be able to move that muscle efficiently and work that muscle efficiently without glycogen in that muscle. So uh, some kind of gly glycogen re replenishment has to, be, has to be there, either intra-workout or post-workout. Again, we're talking about bodybuilding here, so you'd probably want to be on the higher side. If you're talking about health and, and, and longevity, okay. 20 to 50 grams of carbs pre and post workout more than enough for your day. It, it is. We know it is. If you feel like you need more, then you can eat more. So you need to be establishing your baseline macronutrient goal. So you've hit your protein, you've hit your grams, whatever it is per protein. Carbohydrates, I, I don't tend to work off a, a um, equation, sum, whatever it is. I tend to just work out fat and I tend to work out protein and then I put carbohydrates as high as they can physically go while meeting the minimum mac macronutrient needs of of fats for the hormonal process and metabolic issues that they need that, that you need fats for so fats tend to be on a minimum obviously if you're in a huge surplus fats just get high anyway so it's irrelevant you don't need to count them um so we've hit our fats we've hit our protein and we've replenished our glycogen so we've covered ourselves on a macronutrient basis we can talk a little bit about the cellular. Like before, you notice uh, there are things that I'm talking about before we start throwing supplements at you, right? This is the reason for this. Then we can start looking about it on a cellular level and we can start thinking about is your is that cell hydrated enough? Have you provided enough nutrients to that? Is there enough blood flow going to that muscle? Because ultimately, when you do train, you you cause a micro microfibril tear, micro tear, micro tear in your muscle. Your body then sends inflammation. Your body then sends proteins your body then sends aminos to that to the area to start that repair process but in doing that you have waste product and in doing that we've also got lactate buildup and in doing that we've also got inflammation buildup now inflammation is positive you need that positive inflammation there because you've caused an injury inflammation goes to protect it a lot of people think okay let's get rid of the inflammation no 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 that inflammation is needed that is a that is a protection mechanism of the body Body gets injured, sends loads of fluid there to, to soften the blow. You know, and, and we're just trying to get rid of that fluid. Get rid of, it's not always the best idea, especially when we're looking at hypertrophy because that inflammation response is needed for hypertrophy. So we're not looking to blunt that inflammation response, which is why we wouldn't do things like vitamin C, curcumin around a workout because we know that they can blunt inflammation. We're still trying to keep that inflammation post and pre-workout, post-workout. So by that logic, we know that we probably need to stimulate one really good hydration of the cell which means we need to stay watered we need to stay hydrated on a on a cellular level with that which means that we need a decent amount of electrolytes so for me when i'm training i always have a dose of potassium i always have a dose of sodium also have some taurine and also some magnesium all of these things will help regulate um, electrolytes in your body especially when you sweat especially when you're in a hot country i think it's really good to get some added electrolytes i also add salt and low salt to my meals which are high sodium high potassium versions of salt which help with the cellular hydration process which will help with recovery you're more hydrated you have 
much better blood flow. You will take a lot more lactate and waste product from that muscle away from it because you are more hydrated. What's the percent of that happening? Fuck knows. No idea. Is it going to help? Probably yes. So you might as well do it. Um, obviously, uh, in order to kind of generate the blood flow to the area to take away that waste product, while there is always a baseline circulation happening, and obviously blood is being dispersed through your arteries, capillaries, and, and veins to reach those positions that they that they want, we can increase that blood flow to the muscle, which will increase the waste that it takes away and increase the amount of oxygen, the amount of aminos, the amount of protein, the amount of nutrients to the muscle. Because when you increase blood flow in an area, more goes in, more goes out to keep that balance the same. So you got sore legs, guess what's going to fix them? Training legs again. No, not training legs again because um, you're obviously going through the muscle protein breakdown again. So you want to go through a form of exercise that is very low impact, very low inflammatory response. So like a walk, a hand cycle, a very nice slow bike. You know, maybe you do some yoga, maybe you do some movement. Anything that is going to get the heart rate raising a little bit more and start flushing out that waste product is going to help. For example, I've got push and pull, push and arms twice a week now. I did my first push and arm session the day I got back from, or the day after I got back from Corfu. I was fucked the next day. I was wrecked the next day. And the next day I was even sore. And then the next day it was a little bit better. And then the fourth day, I already had push and arms again. And, and I was still sore. I was actually still sore. And a lot of people say, what do you do if you're still sore? Obviously it depends how sore. If you still can't physically pick up your arms, don't go train again. But I was all right. I was still sore though. And I noticeably said to myself, I'm sore here. Let's go easy. As soon as you warm up, as soon as I started to warm up, the dom started to kind of alleviate. And I thought, okay, that's, that's, that's blood flow. That's good. That's perfect. That's what we're after. Finished that session day after. Yeah, the, I don't have as bad doms as last time. You know, because you've massively increased the blood flow to the area, we've massively decreased the amount of waste that's there. We've also massively increased the amount of oxygen, the amount of glycogen, the amount of uh, essential amino acids that are there. So we have in turn improved our recovery for that. Um, so that that, that that's a re that, there's some really really good things to take. Cover your protein, cover your glycogen, cover your hydration, and then of course just uh, just keep moving. Um, of course, things like sleep, sleeping better, um, resting, keeping your feet um, off the floor in a horizontal position with your eyes closed while you sleep is a really, really good way to mitigate some fatigue. So I'd, I'd, I'd implement this, the standard sleep practices there. If you, if you if you wanted to hear about my sleep practices, um, let me know on Instagram. I'll, I'll do another sleep podcast. I've done a few, but it's always good to get an updated version of what I do. So let me know on Instagram if you want to do that, at Josh Bridgman. Um, you can do things like ice baths. Now, ice baths, they have a similar similar concept of movement in the way that they encourage blood flow to areas um, that maybe you... like With blood flow, we can target where we want the, the blood to go, right? Bicep curl. We do some bicep curls, your bicep pumps out with blood. With whole body ice submersion, you have this huge effect of all the capillaries, all the organs, all the, all the extremities, all the blood kind of just... Whoosh, runs straight in towards the center of the body um, and, and capillaries and, and whatnot will get drained. I say drained, there'll still be a baseline blood volume in there. But 
everything runs to the core because you're trying to keep the core warm and then as soon as you get out you flex those veins those capillaries that vasculature and your vasculature improves so actually i would argue that being able to do cold showers and be very good at cold showers and constricting and relaxing your vasculature your your veins your arteries they will constrict they will vasoconstrict and vasodilate on a on a big level almost like you're exercising them right i would say that your blood flow would get better from the research that I've seen, from the people that I've seen, like Wim Hof, it, it seems that your your recovery would be better. So there's a lot of basic things in there. I hope they make sense. Like it's always good to cover the basics in terms of like recovery and whatnot, because sometimes people just miss them, and I think it's really easy to miss them. So we just got to be conscious and on it there. Um, I'm going to slowly but surely go through some uh, questions now, and we'll see if we can get through all of them before we run out of time. I've got about 15 minutes here, and I've got to be off. Um, does it does the time that you take supplements matter? So yes, like like I said earlier about vitamins and minerals and whatnot, uh, or or, or should, I should say things that are anti-inflammatory, like vitamin C, even like things like ibuprofen, which I wouldn't be suggesting taking ever. Um, you you want to be conscious of where they are in your workout. You don't want to be having them around a workout, for example. Um, I'd also be conscious of things like half lives. You can Google the half life of any molecule if you just Google. What is the half-life of X compound? For example, something I talked about in my story the other day, some people don't consider caffeine a supplement because they have it every day, but caffeine is a supplement. Caffeine has a six-hour half-life. You take 100 milligrams of caffeine at midday, by the time it's 6 p.m., you have 50 milligrams in you. By the time it's midday, you have 25 milligrams in you. So it it you may never like fully clear of caffeine if you're having caffeine every single day. So that's the importance of having like a, a caffeine tolerance break of like at least at least at least a week if not two weeks because obviously you've got the six hour half-life if you have a gram if you have a gram of caffeine on a monday you know literally you're gonna have 250 milligrams in you the next day 24 hours later still and then the same again you know it's it's crazy how long it stays in you so you've got to be very conscious so the things i would consider are is it having an effect on your inflammatory response does it need to be with fat soluble items doesn't need to be eaten with food what's the half-life and that'd be it uh what's the next one of my products so this is a hard one right like i've got um like the line is extensive now and we are growing which is amazing i do really enjoy the functional aspect to like building those cuffs which are gone down a treat by the way i sold all of the cuffs in about 50 hours from launch bearing on my launch in the evening so about three days and the demand has been crazy and i also restocked about 50 of them and they went in one day so i've restocked i've put in a big order that which should come it should come hopefully by the end of august i'm hoping it does i'll be on them but i put in a big order that hopefully shouldn't run out um anytime soon anyway who knows and then we'll go from there but in terms of like you know i'm not sure i really want to get some shorts so i've got the complete done like everything done socks shorts t-shirts hoodies and then i'm going to start outsourcing to different ideas different graphics different designs different materials and then i'll start kind of developing the line a little bit i also really want to get onto some more functional things like i really want a pair of d handles but i've had three pairs of d handles now i've not been happy with any of them especially when it's hard to personalize them and make them you know, the issue is with these companies that do like 
large manufacturing is like they've got their set way and if you want to add something into it it's very difficult to do especially for something that's like people don't look into handles like name one fucking gym company that's been i want a really sturdy handle that can rotate that can do this that's reinforced here and it's got no one fucking does it they just say give me a pair of handles mate what's the difference because no one thinks about it like we do or like i do um so gym, uh, d handles for sure uh, i definitely want to get like resistance bands cuffs uh, sorry resistance bands daisy chains carabiners all personalized so that you've got like a one-stop shop for all this like reverse banding and stuff essentially and I'll just be that dude in the industry because at the moment it's all Amazon, right? Which is good, but who knows? How did you manage food when you were away? Uh, I didn't. I I took five days completely off. I just focus on trying to remain the same. Like I'm nine years deep, right? So I can feel when my body's flat. I can feel when my body's full. I can up the food or down the food. Um, but if I'm fully transparent, I didn't do anything. I ate when I was hungry, and I ate as much as I wanted to. I ended up having about three meals a day: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And just literally would order two starters, two mains myself and eat them. And I'm very fortunate in the fact that my metabolism is is boosting. It's a blessing and a curse because I've got to eat so much food, but also a curse because I've got to eat so much food. Um, but also I can eat so much food and, and lose weight. Like I came back two kilos lighter, well, 1.5 kilos than when I left. And bearing in mind my own, my average of food was like three and a half thousand calories. Yeah, that's all right. If I was called up to fight for my country, what would I do with my testosterone? I, I've answered this question because, well, I've got this question on here because I found it quite funny. I do often think like, like because I'm bound by testosterone almost, uh, apart from the fact that I would have to just come off and run really, I, I've been on for two years now, so, or nearly two years in November. So if I came off, I would probably struggle to come back on without PCT drugs. Um, or at least come back on quickly so it'd be like six seven months about it i'll just explain it to the army and be like yo you really want someone to fight for you you need me give me my test give me my test boy um but all in honesty i'd probably rather go to prison than than fight for my country is that grim i'm gonna have loads of people unfollow me right now here's my thinking i don't want to fight for people i don't want to fight for for politicians that decide things i don't want them to decide for me if it's something that I think we should fight for, then all right, maybe. But is that ever going to happen? No, it's not. Because I don't think we should fight each other, ever. I think we should just be a utopian society. But also appreciate that it doesn't happen because we've got pigs, evil people, and that's life. Please don't follow me for that. Um, avoiding AIs. Um, so anti-estrogen uh, auxiliaries. Um, I, I put up a post the other day saying I would never, ever have an AI in a cycle. If I can avoid it, I will. Um, so AIs are savage to lipids they are savage to your liver they are savage to your blood glucose uh, and we're all, also stifling something that's really quite good for growth and really quite good for feeling like up until a point thing is like we're talking about the aromatase pathway here and and the amount you convert to estrogen and how high estrogen is like really your goal as a bodybuilder should be to have your estrogen as high as physically possible without side effects so there will be a point when you may get estrogenic side effects then you just reduce the dose like that's that's literally the secret to it right you bring your aromatizing compounds up to a point where you can't handle it without an ia an ia an ai and then just bring it down a little bit and then you can just go off through another another pathway that doesn't hammer the aromatase pathway for example you could look at prima bolin and start to focus on protein turnover and nutrient partitioning a little bit more and driving up your anabolic response your anabolism so so uh, 
I can appreciate there's a time and a place for an AI. Maybe you're trying to reduce estrogen, reduce water in a competition. Maybe you need way more testosterone. I say way more. Maybe you want to step over into that line of too much testosterone that you need an AI. Again, I can understand it in a prep. But if you're just your average dude starting steroids and playing with steroids and trying to grow, and even if you're a young bodybuilder or an intermediate bodybuilder, you don't need to be playing with AIs at any time, especially the amount these people do. They'll reduce your bone density. They'll fucking reduce your ligament and tendon strength. Like they're they're not good. They are really really not good, um, and you want to stay away from them as much as you can. I've not used an AI since prep, and that was in a position where I didn't know as much about about drugs as I do now. And I've been up to four hundred milligrams testosterone since, and I was absolutely fine. Um, will TRT ruin natural production? Yes. The moment you put any endogenous, exogenous, the moment you put any exogenous hormone in your body, you stop the endogenous production. For how long depends on the compound. If it's transient or not depends on the compound. For example, growth hormone, you can put four, five, six, seven, ten IUs of fake, or say fake, and exogenous growth hormone in your body. You can stop it, and then the next day you start producing again. Same things with like melatonin and, and things like that. There are some things that you can take where you just start producing again. For example, the pills like that, um, the hormone pill, the hormonal pill, any of you girls out there who don't know about the pill, um, you get a progesterone-based one. You can get a combined one, which is progesterone and estrogen. And obviously, there's different amounts of different things in there. Actually, like those are transient hormones in the way that you can sort of just stop. And more often than not, in four to six weeks, you're probably going to be back to normal, which is crazy because my girlfriend just came off and she's like 15 years. I think how old is she? So yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure she's been on the pill for like 15 years, and she came off about seven weeks ago. And she already had a period within three or four weeks and cycle is normal, which is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy considering you've been on for so long. So got to consider that. Uh, do I coach assisted females? So I've only really started delving into coaching assisted athletes recently. Um, I don't coach females because my knowledge in that field is not up to scratch. I know that females have a much harsher reaction to androgens i know that the doses need to be crazy low and there are things that you can do to manipulate girls it is in my next i've got a block of 10 uh consultations with someone and it's in like the final three or four i'm going to go over females and and whatnot and maybe we'll bring in females eventually but i don't know i find it a little bit difficult in the fact that mm, you can reverse quote unquote don't quote me i'm not a doctor blah 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 most of what you do with steroids in terms of atherosclerosis muscle building you know just basically pushing all your organs to the limit you can sort like if you're not doing it for decades and decades you can probably hope that you can reverse a lot of it because the body is so amazing girls not so much you know when you do get your adam's apple a bit thicker it sort of stays when your voice does go a little bit lower it sort of stays so i don't know morally it hurts me a little bit to do that to a girl but also it's not me doing it to her right it's it's her coming to me for advice and if she can get better advice from me and doing it in a safer use model than i can then that i'll provide then that's also fine so i don't coach females but i will do soon uh assisted wise i coach all i coach many natural girls can steroids be safe? No, but they can be used through a safer use model. If you'd like me to talk about the safer use model of steroids and a bit more about steroids, then please drop me a, drop me a, a DM as well, and that'd be awesome. 
Um, what do I do? So what do you do to progress my online coaching? Which is a good question. This is from a client actually. So I'd like to think he's seen the progression of coaching. I think I just switched him over to um, my new Google Sheets. In fact, maybe I haven't. Rory, if you listen to this and I've not switched over to my new sheets, I will do today. I'll make sure I check. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so there's loads of things you can do for progressions in coaching, right? Either you progress your nutrition knowledge, you pro progress your training knowledge, you progress your drug knowledge. But also there's things like systems. and You can improve your systems. You can improve the, the perceived interaction of people. So I've just moved or I've just been moving people over lockdown. I developed some new sheets with the help of my girlfriend. Uh, thank you, Amy, if you're listening. Uh, it's, a, it's a Google document. It's four or five documents. I say two good. I don't want to give away too much. There's like two or three folders. There's there's two or three Google Sheets that you can go through, and it's a little bit more interactive. So while it's very similar stuff that we were tracking before, it's perceived, and why? Well, it's not perceived. It is It is a little bit more interaction from them. They've got a little bit more that they need to input. They've got a little bit more that they need to do. So when you demand more from a client, it, it kind of helps progress things. Um, you can look at things like Muscle Mentor's um, website. They've got actual coaching online coaching segment and how to improve that um you can go to like pt courses which will teach you, teach you about client enrollment um but ultimately it's just going to be about improving your knowledge like when i first started i cost 50 pound a month and i would do your macros for you and i would think that i would know what i was doing and then of course as i got more clients i went to 70 pound a month and then actually i didn't put up for ages and then i thought no i need to go learn something now so I did three or four seminars. I massively, massively improved my knowledge. And I went, you know what? I'm probably worth £100 a month now because that's still £25 a week. That's still £5 for five days a week to get this knowledge, 24-7 contact. And yeah, and then guess what? I did a biomechanics course. And then maybe I'm like, okay, maybe I can go to 130 now. You know, and then I'm like, okay, I did a biomechanics course. I've done this nutrition course and I've done this other course. Now I'm going to improve my systems to account for all of it. And then I'm going to start changing this or X, Y, and Z. Okay, cool. Let's go to 160. Okay, let's go to 200. Okay, let's go to 300. And I'm not saying those are my prices, but that progression model works really well. So either progress your prices and your online coaching with either a demanding client or when you've gone out and learned something. Um, but there's plenty of places that you can learn about it. So get out there and you can do it. Um, how to deal with self-doubt. This is a very, very difficult question. I think that no one who is great, no one who is a winner, no one who is a Mr. Olympia, a World Cup winner, a gold, gold medalist in the Olympics has ever not faced self-doubt. So you're not alone in the way that you, you may face self-doubt. I think depending in the in the scenario that you're in, you know, certain, um, certain things will be a little bit harder than other things, as you can imagine. Um, but I've always said, and you probably heard me say this before, and you'll probably hear me say it again, but self-doubt doesn't kill you. What you do in the times of self-doubt does. So if you can have this very controlled time managed lifestyle that I'd say that I do in terms of I know when I'm training, I know what I need to put in gets X amount of result. If you know that and you can put put that out regardless of what's happening around you, I think you're massively at a benefit there. So I say, if you're going through hell, keep going. If you're aim, aim for the stars, hit the moon, you know, like if you're going through something that's not right and doesn't feel right, just know what you do feel feels right. 
And for me, I know I gotta get good sleep. I know I gotta train at this time. I know I gotta eat at this time. I know I need to feel my body in X, Y, and Z. It doesn't mean that I don't doubt the doubt how good I look. It doesn't mean that I don't doubt how my future is. It doesn't mean I don't doubt that maybe my clients don't like me anymore. It doesn't mean that I don't doubt that I can't grow my social media anymore. It doesn't doubt. It doesn't come into my head that my YouTube is coming down because I know that worrying about it and doing nothing about it doesn't make a difference so instead i need to do the things that i can control and i can move to instead if that makes sense so never be paralyzed by it you can be succumbed by it and you can be upset by it and you can worry about it but don't be don't be paralyzed by it don't stop moving just keep moving one more rep that's what they say that's what i've heard on the grapevine so Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll be back very soon with another podcast. I am moving soon. So the 21st of August, I'm moving. I'm building a home office. So we'll get these much more regularly and I'll have everything sorted soon. Thank you guys. Peace and love. Bye-bye.